0: everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Value Driven Marketing Podcast. I'm Elena, your host as always, and today I'm very happy to be talking to Liana and Gabriela of Savoie Fair about everything related to B2B outbound sales. Uh, we're going to dive into what B2B outbound sales done right looks like today, mistakes you want to avoid what you should automate within your sales process and what you should never automate, realistic expectations in terms of results and how to build a solid outbound strategy that's more than uh, just getting your message out there. It's actually about building a revenue engine. But before we dive into all of that, I would love to introduce my guests so uh liana stoica and gabriela turcu are the co-founders of savoir Fair, a boutique consultancy that helps b2b startups and scale-ups build global sales engines um, gabriela and liana have gathered over 15 years of experience working with different markets in international companies and they've worked for companies such as um, oracle Veeam, and BearingPoint. and what liana and gabriella ultimately believe in is that all companies have the secret recipe for revenue success and finding that success is just a matter of having the right plan and execution so i hope you tune in i hope you extract some valuable ideas from this episode and apply them into your sales strategy and I'll catch you on the next one. Hey, Liana, hey, Gabriela. So good to have you on the Value Driven Marketing Podcast. Thank you for accepting the invite. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Elena, thank you for inviting us. Uh, we are fine. Uh, looking forward to discuss uh, new subjects with you today.
0: I'm also looking forward to talking about sales because my background is also in sales and I know it's always a juicy one. Uh, But before we dive in into the nitty-gritty, there's a softer question that I like to start with, and that is, what was your dream job as a child?
1: Uh, So I would be the first sharing that. Uh, Probably you'll laugh, but I wanted to be a president, actually, and to... (laughs) do politics which uh at the beginning i started with that and after that i just dropped it out <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's quite interesting very ambitious uh little child you were
2: <laughs> how about well, to say um it's nice to be here Elena so as you say i had a, a different uh <laughs> i still remember When you have, uh, you know, like the the whole celebration with Santa and Santa asks you what you want to be when you're a kid, when you grow up uh, as a kid. And uh, I remember saying that I wanted to be a movie director and producer. So that's funny because I actually married someone that (laughs) studied film production. (laughs) But I uh, uh, then I ended up uh, going into a more technical, you know, college and degree. So I studied computer science, but I never ended up uh, working into it. So I kind of fell into sales because um, I don't, I feel like I like talking with people. So that's what I, what I dreamed about.
0: So two very different paths, but uh, led you to the same place of helping companies grow through sales. So uh, let's talk a bit about savoir faire. So what services do you offer? Who do you help
1: uh, so, our story actually uh, began uh, a while ago when we met in Uh, Fintech OS. uh We noticed uh, at the beginning, um, let's say, a very stringent lack of uh, sales resources and processes. And from, from what we saw in the market, we, we actually envisioned our, our project because at, at the end of the day, Summer Fair is our sole project. Um, we noticed that, especially in the um, startup scale-up environment, so we decided that uh, will be our main uh, focus to actually help startups scale-ups and, let's say, medium-sized companies to generate revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, that means uh, that we we came up with a new approach um, on the market, especially on the Romanian CE market. Uh, Building a revenue strategy, uh, and that's what we are doing actually around that. uh, Starting with pricing, with competitor analysis, uh, uh, helping on the international expansion, which is very important for most of the companies, and uh, defining a sales process and finding the appropriate uh, headcount to actually land on on the sales process um we managed to to do that successfully um, in uh, in all the setups that we we managed to to get in and uh, with the partners that we are working with and we managed to do that by implementing a very let's say uh, a new method of uh, doing outbound and creating this outbound engine that works at the end of the day uh, where we can actually offer, um, hands-on help in bringing the the first results because at the very beginning when you are starting a business, when you have a product but you don't have let's say a product market fit or you don't have data, it's very important to have uh, a partner who is actually, let's say, concentrated on the execution, but it's very hands on over there, um, aligned with your vision and mission. And that's what in big lines, uh, Savar Fair and our project is doing and in helping actually to scale and grow through through the outbound methods.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sounds very good, very on point. And I think it's interesting you mentioned revenue strategy, because I feel a lot of people, when they talk about sales, um, they think of it as a quick solution. So, I don't know, revenue is down. We're not growing as fast as we would like. Uh, Let's bring in another salesperson or let's hire our our first salesperson. Maybe we don't know our positioning very well, where we haven't defined our value proposition very well, but sales is going to, you know, uh, make things happen. It's very mathematical you make this number of phone calls or send this number of emails there's a low conversion rate but at the end of the day things are moving um so i'm just wondering uh what's your take on that because i feel like this is not the whole story right it's it's not
1: the whole story, and it's it's very nice that you mentioned this with the revenue, um, because it's a lesson learned in um, in different companies, but especially in fintechos where we met, and we were lucky, and I was lucky to have a chief revenue officer over mm-hmm. there with a huge experience uh, and with a very good background on IPOs and different technology companies that. Uh, scaled a lot with this revenue strategy, and I think on the especially on the Romanian market, uh, we don't we don't speak enough on this revenue stream because we think that it's only about sales, it's only about inbound. We think that it's only a, a round outbound or a single channel or a multi-channel. But uh, they, let's say that most. The vast majority of companies, they don't have the revenue strategy in mind when they are getting towards the market, um, even if we are speaking about the local market or the international market, but they don't have that in mind. And it's it's quite... Um, uh, let's say frustrating in the very beginning because our our mission is also concentrated on the on the education part because at the end of the day yes we can help through the things that we learn experience uh, uh, formalize let's say in different context of work or studies but uh, we have a mission to to educate also um, the companies and uh, let's say the ecosystem in um, in which we are working uh, around this topic, uh, around the revenue, around the sales, around the methodology, around the mathematics. Uh, Sales is not about charm. Revenue is not about luck. Um, And I will just close with that so that I am not hijacking the whole whole podcast uh, about revenue because I really... I really love to, to speak about revenue and our mission at the end of the day, starting with that. And uh, the goal in the end to, to bring results uh, is around
0: that. Mm-hmm. Good point. And because you mentioned bringing results, so um, I feel that, you know, there's a lot of complaints or just, you know, um, it seems that uh, sales and outbound sales, doesn't work as well as it used to be of course people are now remote online they don't necessarily want to be uh, interrupted and so on so it seems that uh, all over the place uh, the conversion rate for outbound sales has decreased so what do you think is outbound still a good channel to grow in which conditions what's your take on that?
2: Well on this one Ellen I think uh, I think it's a good mention to start with the fact there is a lot of noise. In the mm-hmm. market around outbound call calling prospecting, I've anyone that follows this podcast probably, if they open up their LinkedIn right now, they're gonna see a post about using AI to do messaging, um, or I don't know, uh, sequencing and what's the best sequence or what's the best call prospecting email they can use, and so on. And um, the thing is, you mentioned that yes, it's a numbers game. Indeed, everyone thinks it's a numbers game. You have to do a next amount of things to get an X amount of results. Sure. But the problem is, what numbers do you look at, actually? Because it is a numbers game, but you do need a bit of experience in going through these steps multiple times. And this is basically what we come with, usually, to know what to look for. Uh, yes, you can, there's a lot of use cases in which we've been where you can use technology against you. It could fall under spam. Your inbox gets totally banned. You, you don't ever reach your prospects or your desired ideal customer profile. Sales automation is great. Of course, this is, we really preach that a lot, but the reality is no, outbound isn't dead, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's not one single recipe. So you need, you need to make a, a the perfect combination between a great process uh headcount so you can't do this just on your own that's for sure and obviously you need to use sales automation you know intent data and all the let's say the the good things that technology brought to us that you also have to implement in your revenue stream you need to go multi-channel so it's not just oh uh, i'm sending emails or i'm only going to on linkedin because we see this a lot it's just spam LinkedIn. linkedin is the best channel to get a Mm -hmm. result you're talking with people so you never know what converts really that's why you need uh, multi-channel. And also what we preach a lot is quality over quantity or always. But we're going to touch on that maybe later in, in the conversation. I want to, again, hijack this conversation. But no, outbound isn't it? You just need to know what to look for in your results and what numbers to look at. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And why do you think so many companies fail when they do outbound? So they're very eager to jump uh, on doing sales like we need results. Uh, let's start a sales motion, or let's start um, our outbound outreach effort. Uh, and then two months later, nothing happens outside of a lot of uh, sales automated sequences uh, going out. Why do you think so many companies fail when it comes to outbound?
1: Well, um, I think an important subject will be that uh, they're lacking um, a defined strategy, Elena. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And when I'm when I'm saying that um, what's actually a defined strategy. Uh, most of, uh, most of the companies, um, let's say if we are discussing about startups, scale up, uh, they're positioning around the product so um, they are not let's say uh, looking very well to the market first and the need in the market and I think also it's a let's say it's a mentality difference between uh, how the companies are starting in Europe uh, versus how the companies are starting in, um, let's say, US, uh, because in US uh, you are starting with uh, with the need in the market and uh, with uh, with the selling. <laughs> they they are doing actually, um, uh, let's say, um, a selling, and after that they are building the product, which actually happens other the other way around in in Europe. Um, so mostly they are very concentrating on on this part of selling very quickly uh, and mm-hmm. to have a sales motion, but they are not defining a strategy around their goal. And usually their goal. Um, is about numbers um so being the the first unicorn or the first unicorn or the best in class is not a let's say a goal that you can translate at the end of the day in mm-hmm. numbers uh they're not uh, defining quite well the the verticals where they they will sell at the end of the day. And when I'm saying uh, that, what does it mean a vertical? It can be an industry, it can be a company size or a type of company, etc. Um, they don't understand who is that ideal customer profile uh, to whom you can refer and you you will have it in scope and you map the that ideal customer profile on the verticals, on the markets and the where the need is actually. And of course, on top of that, you need to come along with a process so that you have a very well-established, clear process where you can bring people that will execute at the end of the day that sales sales motion. Um, And it's very hard actually to do that um, when you don't have enough data, um, because Mm -hmm. if we're discussing about the well-established companies, you have a lot of data, you can study. You can take decisions. You can take actions. You come up with a very good plan, and you have you have already the processes and the people. But when when you are a startup, uh, it's very hard because you don't have the data, and you have to define it, and you have to build it. Uh, you have to test them. <laughs> you have to learn, and you have to apply very quickly what actually you learn from from all all the defined strategy that uh, you, you put in place. And except that, um, I think there is a lack of method, um, Mm -hmm. because, uh, we, we tried a lot of things, but in, in, in the end, it's about execution and the method you are, you are applying to that execution. Uh, as Liana said earlier, it's a numbers game, um, um, if you don't translate the revenue goal uh top down in an assess based on assessment uh, to have let's say um, a number of activities et cetera on a daily basis with the same drive towards the the market with the patients um, um it's not gonna work and um to actually answer to the <laughs> to the last part of the question. Um, if we have an example of companies, actually, there are most of the companies that we've supported, um, are very good examples because we build outbound approach from scratch, um, mm-hmm. having everything that I've said in, in mind. And I think this is important because, um, you have a very clean and clear execution and you, you can see results and you can actually uh, look at the numbers after, after a while.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. So start with a plan, have a way of implementing that plan. And can we talk about strategy? Because I think that's a very uh, important part when you mean strategy, what are the pillars of that strategy? So what should you, uh, set up? uh, what what's essentially the foundation of that strategy before you do anything else before you go out and hire people you start selling sending messages and so on so what's the strategy uh, you know what's the essence of the strategy uh,
1: as you may, as you mentioned this is a foundation mm-hmm. this is your solid foundation when you are starting um, the business and you have the product um, I, I like to call this like <laughs> it's a Let's say a uh, executional strategy, because at the end of the day, you cannot um, come up with a huge strategy around w- what you don't know and you don't have the data, the numbers, mm-hmm. you just have, let's say, very generic infos from the market, from your competition. And that's why it's very important to set up this foundation and this executional strategy around your business, uh, looking towards the the market, towards the competition. Translating your mission, vision into an actionable goal, um, getting to the moon and coming back and being a an unicorn or my, my product to be uh, best in class, or there is no competition on the market. I'm, I'm, I, I have this, um, um, let's say sexy product. <laughs> Nobody has it. Uh, this is not, this is not a strategy. So you need to position yourself, uh behind the product and uh understanding that your mission vision at the end of the day they they have to let's say conduct to this actionable goal uh towards the market and building the 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 revenue stream so that you are moving way farther with uh with with the business and um i think it's it's not, uh let's say, a unique approach when it comes to this part of the strategy and how you are translate, translating everything into an executional process, but mm-hmm. the process by itself. So adding a process, a very clean and clear process. And after you define all this, um, actually <laughs> attracting people on something that it's very clear, although it's, let's say it's a Tiny small business, a startup uh, makes the difference.
0: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that startups especially won't have historical data to to look at. how would you approach coming up um, with a strategy then or how should the startup that really has very few data how should they think about building their sales strategy lacking that data? is there um, what what's your approach essentially?
1: Well, uh, it's not a rocket science approach Mm -hmm. and we don't need actually at the end of the day to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have enough examples, let's say, in the market. We have competitors in the market. Mm -hmm. We can actually um, look at those competitors from a technical commercial perspective. Uh, We need to understand uh, what lessons they learned. And we have to learn from their lessons. So we have enough information, let's say, in the, um, in the first phase as a um, early stage startup or a, st- a, a scale-up uh, from the market. If we listen to the market and if we are paying attention to the market, we have enough information to actually build our, our pitch deck in which we can actually study some data from our competitors. Uh, mm-hmm. They already... Uh, done that. They took the way, so we can we can grab those informations and based on that we can build and uh, aligning our solution, our product towards the 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 competition and the market. We can actually listen to the market. What's the need in Romania? What's the need in Poland? What's the need in France right now? And based on that, we are aligning the product. On those markets, what's the pricing of our competitors? We can align the pricing from a commercial perspective. I don't think that there is an expert. Then there is an expert in this world of SaaS or technology that comes with the right pricing. No, mm-hmm. we are we are looking from a technical commercial perspective to our competitors, and we are aligning, let's say, our approach. Uh, based on that because you are not a single player in the market. Uh, Innovation is not uh, a buzzword right now in in the market. So we are just coming towards the market, towards our prospect, towards our future clients, understanding their need and arranging everything around the business towards that. And I think this holistic approach in which you are listening to the market, you are going on a path that others... (laughs) Uh, were over there, um, it uh, helps a lot with, um, helps and compensate in the same time the, the lack of data. And when you don't have data, you have a goal. If your goal is to reach from zero to 10K, mm-hmm. top down, based on some conversion rates, which are pretty known in the market, and they haven't changed that much lately. You are just multiplying those 10K and you can see very clearly based on your pricing, based based on the verticals you are addressing, based on your ideal customer profile, how many activities you need to do so that you can reach uh, the goal, and you can have in three, six, nine months, twelve months a sales plan with data that you are building from scratch, based on everything that, uh, let's say, you envisioned, align with the market and everything that you are finding in the market right now, because the the information is there.
0: Mm-hmm. So essentially, you're making some assumptions. You go to the market. Then exactly. after a few months, reassess using the exactly. data you've gathered. Mm-hmm. So take yes. step by step. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to kind of take a step back and just ask the question, what does good um, sales outreach look to you, sales outreach done right? How would you define it? Um,
1: I think there is, there is a lot of... Uh, noise in the market right now, uh, around inbound, outbound, cold outbound, cold outreach, how how do you do that in a right way so that uh, the, the conversion rates uh, are perfect so that you can have results uh, fast and fast, it's the buzzword right now for all the, the, the startups, scale-ups because this, let's say environment and ecosystem is growing. Uh, not only in our country, but in in the region and globally, you can't really control the way the the market reacts. Uh, You can't really actually um, uh, control the need in the market uh, or uh, the timing. uh, Or if you are looking to your potential prospects or your potential customers, don't forget they are people at the end of the day. Uh, they are receiving a lot of commercial offers through all these channels that uh, we are preaching, uh, we are discussing um, for years and years. Um, especially right now, after the pandemic, they they are receiving much more of those. So I think what you you actually can control from from everything that you are doing from a cold outreach perspective is the process. And what we preach is uh, that you need to use, uh, let's say, uh, the best data available. And that means that you need to choose very wisely your your prospect based on your ICP, on your ideal customer profile, but not only. Um, As I said, your prospects, are human being, <laughs> um, if, um, if you are looking wisely to, to the profile, you are, you are studying, um, as your ideal customer profile, you will understand that, um, uh, you have to come up with, a with a value driven proposal at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think the, the cold outreach done, done right. Um, look like uh, what we call this profiled uh, prospecting. Um, There is a lot of noise around bulk messaging sequences, a lot of tools, uh, chat GPT, AI, around how you can automate everything. Um, There is a limited, let's say, number of companies that, that are on the market. Uh, there is a limited number of countries where you can prospect. So you can burn very quickly the territories mm-hmm. where you are heading. That's why we, we use this profile prospecting, which uh, at, at the base of the foundation uh, comes with notions from, from, from the intelligence field, from open source information. And if you are doing this in a very, let's say, from a perspective, in which you have always quality in mind um i think this is the 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 good recipe or the best recipe for for the cold outreach done right Mm
0: -hmm. and you mentioned the an offer that's value driven i think that's super important because if you have a clear proposition and people see immediate value from what you're suggesting what you're proposing um i think that's that's something that stands out for sure. And I think we can dedicate an entire episode just to how you can actually come up with an offer. Um, and I, and I see many companies just struggling to, uh, to define that offer. What's the first engagement that they're going to give to their, you know, to those people that they're reaching out to, to the prospects. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's a, a very, very good point. Um and what would you say are some outdated uh tactics um
2: that companies still use when it comes to outbound? Well, that's my favorite topic to talk about let's just say <laughs> <laughs> no, but um let's just say I'd like to start with obviously manual work that's that's uh I, well, I went through it obviously for years of doing business development sales and so on and so on. I hate it, but at the same time. I know that you need this sometimes. So you need to know where you put your manual work. And what Gabby was actually referencing, profile prospecting. Well, sending emails, doing touch touch points, you can do that automatically. You can use so many variables to make sure that the message is very custom. But where you you need a human to actually still get into. And I don't, at at this day, I don't think that technology is there yet is to choose the data that you input into your sequencing uh you know campaigns Mm -hmm. choose the people that you actually uh, put in those sequencing campaigns and actually uh look at them as, as if they're real people because that's very important we always preach quality over quantity so i prefer having a small batch of prospects that i've carefully chosen rather than just doing a bulk search on LinkedIn or, or all the other, obviously, uh, lead uh, sourcing tools. So I prefer to actually have someone or go myself through the leads that I'm actually prospecting and treat them as people. Uh, and that, that obviously means manual work. That's what I mean by choose where you put your manual work and where you actually automate. Cause mm-hmm. if we look at using tools, bulk isn't, uh, it's not a thing anymore. I know everyone has talked about this, Uh, but personalization, I don't think it's a thing also because what personalization sometimes means is, Oh, let me talk about, I don't know, uh, ice fishing or the college that you went to and try to sell to you. But the reality is what is most important is, are you relevant to the prospect? So is your value proposition relevant to that prospect? In my opinion, if you're talking to a prospect, about a problem that really is burning to him. That's gold. And you don't, you don't need to tell him about what college he went to because he already knows that and you didn't go to the same college. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter. So, uh, that's, that's something we, we really preach. Relevance over personalization is, is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, uh, it's really important to shortcut the process. Everyone likes an experience. Buying experience is just as important as an um, onboarding experience in a product, in my opinion. So think about all the the services that you're accessing. Also, you know, like Amazon Prime, Netflix, they offer an experience. You also have to offer an experience to your prospect. And what I mean to that uh, by that is, we find often that one of the bottlenecks. Uh, that we encounter with the companies we work, we work with okay, so with the prospect replies, he wants to talk to us. what happened what happens afterward? you went, we will go into a ping pong of uh, when can you talk? Uh, oh, I can now. So I really recommend using tools like Chili Piper or Calendly. they're really important to chart shortcut that uh, that process so you get the the prospect into you know into the meeting obviously afterwards. DocuSign is really important. Having a smooth process in the whole buying journey is, is, uh, in my opinion, something that everyone has to do and something that can really make a difference because the reality is you can't really innovate for real. No one is reinventing the wheel. So what you can do is make sure that basically you're, you're offering relevancy and a nice journey through, through that. And, um, one one thing that i uh i like to 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 you know mention is that do things as if you were the, the one buying so if you wouldn't buy would your prospect buy at the same time so yeah that's kind of our take on it mhm
0: mm-hmm. and i loved what you what you mentioned about uh, prospecting and rather uh, focusing manual work there uh, because, yeah. of course, software cannot decide as well. And I guess some of the criteria that goes into choosing who you'll contact uh, goes beyond just demographics. You know, that person works in a, I don't know, specific role at a specific company. It does. Rather... Mm-hmm. And could you go th- quickly through some of the criteria?
2: Well, for sure, uh, you can, when you look at a person... Just think of the fact how you're approaching that person. That's, in my opinion, very important. So uh, if someone has a very, like, let's just say anonymous LinkedIn profile, they're not very active on social, are they really going to reply to, to an, a cold outreach on LinkedIn or even on email? And at the same time, uh, be very careful when you send your emails because technology can give a lot of fails and the reality is I'm not going to act as if it hasn't happened to me or if it doesn't happen to large companies. I, mm-hmm. A couple of days ago, I, I got an email with a title, hey, unknown. <laughs> so... <laughs> You you don't want that to happen if you work with smaller batches that you carefully choose and you look at the profile of the person and that criteria includes how active they are on LinkedIn, how, um, I don't know, how outspoken they are. You'll see that people post how many followers they have or how many connections they have that's all information that is uh, you know out in the open and i think it's it's important to take into account uh, it's like tinder you know you look at people and you see what they they have on their profile if they have a lot of they don't and you take a decision based on that and sometimes even if the 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 role is great maybe the profile isn't that open to talking mhm mhm yeah. And
1: then I, if I may just add a very, um, uh, let's say, um, interesting terminology, uh, because I know, f- especially for, for our market is very, let's say, uh, rocket science, but I've started this very early in, uh, in my experience on my, on my, let's say business development path, um, There are some things that are very, let's say, available in U.S., in Israel, and people are actually building from open source information and from the, let's say, from the social um, networks. Um, They are gathering a lot of info and they are actually establishing um, a buying persona pattern based on everything that Liana said and that there are tools and there are methods in in which you can bring actually cognitive science neuroscience in design in designing very scientifically let's say uh, your ideal let's say customer profile i know that it may sound a little bit complex and complicated but um there is science in prospecting, um, sales outbound. It's not just only about numbers, it's around people. Because at the end of the day, uh, behind the, the photo and the, the the LinkedIn profile, you have, a let's say, a behavioral pattern. You mm-hmm. have a, a person, that person has some preferences. That person may be an introvert or an extrovert. Um, he or she may be in, in the buying position or the the, the right stakeholder. And it's not, it's not about being C-level or law manager or whatever analyst. It's a profile. A profile determined by, by a personality, by a human being. And I would just close the um <laughs> the, the, the little parenthesis that um I've made. So it's it's a lot about studying small batches. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, we, we have a lot of technology available right now, comparing to the years we we started, I started prospecting, in which I was cool. using Excel and a lot of manual work and et cetera, et cetera. But people haven't changed at the end of the day. There are still people. So let's not forget about that when we are just uh, configuring our sales motion based on hundreds of prospects that. Um, it's very easy to be actually, let's say, defined and uh, finished in two months or three months or four months.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I'm just wondering whether we can approach the topic of um, technology a bit later, just kind of curious, uh, what are some of the tools that you like and, um, and use? Um, and I'm also wondering in terms of, uh, whether there's a, um, certain company size or rather company development stage where, uh, you're best position to make the most out of outbound sales.
1: Well, I don't think so, okay. <laughs> uh, to be very honest. Um, I do believe that you have to do it smart and mm-hmm. based on your business and I think outbound is just the the pretext in in which and with which you are going towards the market after you have a strategy, an execution and a revenue plan. And it's it's one of the ways that you actually stay connected with the market. It's not just a, a vehicle or a, let's say an engine. It's it's a way let's say, if you are using well this way, you can gather a lot of uh, data and you can gather a lot of feedback. And many times it offers more than than just revenue. It offers you a great value because you can find out... Um, about trends in, in that specific market. You can actually improve or add features to your product based on, on what the prospects are telling you. Uh, you can find infos about the competition and based on on those info, you can actually prevent. It's, it's one of the in your company. Um, you have to stay connected with the market and outbound, it's a very honest way um towards that because you are doing the step many times it's not the market towards you so those Mm -hmm. infos are very precious and you have to take it into a very let's say analytical funnel for the whole perspective of the company
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that makes total sense to me so thank you for sharing that um and i know you both mentioned features
1: to your product base
0: resources in the beginning and uh you know defining the right resources so you're able to reach your goal um and i'm wondering if we can detail a bit more about that so uh, how should the company uh, think about the resources they need to allocate to outbound sales in terms of people budget tools and any other kind of resources
2: well obviously uh when we work with the companies you do work with, and, and a big majority of them are in these startups, uh, we don't recommend getting a lot of headcount or headcount maybe whatsoever until you have a proven method and you know what you're supposed to be selling because it does happen quite a, quite often that they don't have that many deals closed and they, you really need to prove a method and you find that process. Mm-hmm. But the reality is uh, we always end up... Basically, either supporting existing resources, that does happen a lot also, or helping some of the founders, because we don't preach that all the founders have to be selling, but the ones that are fit for that to uh, basically set up a process method and, and obviously prove the whole method and see it actually works in industries, the, the assumptions that you come up with, you test them and, and you see if the, you need to improve them or if you have to change them altogether. Uh, the reality is, in my opinion, uh, if we talk about the actual tools that we use and the cost of those tools, uh, they're not really that expensive. So I'd, I'd say for one headcount, one account, even if it's the founder the average cost of the tech stack that we recommend is 100 euros per per month 100 150 euros per month depending on on uh, you know what what where you want to get or how many markets you're approaching at the same time how, how many activities you need to do and so on but they're not. That, that's not the the hard part. So the the cost is never <laughs> it's never a problem. Uh, that's not a reality. That's a reality of things. Is actually knowing what to do with those tools and obviously going through the motion over and over again because it can be pretty pretty repetitive. Uh, mm-hmm. It's um it's it is a follow up game. Uh, but uh, we also. One of the things that we do, we have seen that in this side of the world, so Europe, there is a stringent need for sales and generally revenue headcounts, sales and marketing headcount. So, um, one of the, the recipes that we've found successful, uh, in many use cases is once you, you set up that method, you spend like three, four months on it, you prove it, you start seeing results and motion, uh, through the, the funnel. Uh, You onboard a more unexperienced junior uh, Mm -hmm. resource and you try to basically, um, you know, uh, onboard them on the process. The reality is, I was listening to a podcast a few days ago and uh, basically uh, people think that. You know, sales, how sales will look like in a years? it will be we'll all be using tools and you'll be a, kind of a, a manager of tools. So nothing, nothing more really. So that's why uh, a lot of more junior resources are a good fit sometimes, uh, especially if you're using sales automation. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you think there's a right time and place to hire, uh, let's say, your first full time salesperson, maybe? Um, oh. Maybe you'll do some um tests, maybe work with a company that specializes on just doing um the outreach part. Do you think there's a right time to hire that first salesperson that first um full time salesperson
2: so it's it, it's not a secret recipe or a perfect recipe for sure uh and well I'm gonna talk a bit about using you know an outsource company for your outreach for sure, but at the same time we don't recommend outsourcing the whole process
0: okay you just
2: need you need to set up basically a foundation and a structure that works and proves some some results so once you have a proven method in my opinion that's the good timing to have a full-time headcount you can use an outsource company to do your outbound outreach but obviously those leads have to go somewhere and that's kind of the point where you mm-hmm. you need someone to take them and, you know, do something with those leads and actually close them. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And I know I'm going a bit sideways, but because you mentioned, uh, whether you recommend or not, um, outsourcing outbound sales, would you say there's um, a good structure in which, you, or rather just to make the, the question broader, do you think um, That there's a way in which you can be successful working with a a specialized company that does just outbound. Are you better off um, uh, in housing, if I can say, uh, the activity?
2: Well, uh, I would say there is a good setup in which you can do that for sure. We're going to touch on that a bit later on uh, and go okay. broader into the subject. But uh, th- what I want to say is why it doesn't work usually is mm-hmm. because you don't have a proven method. ICP, your ICP isn't tested. It's like your product. You need product market fit. You need the market fit and the proven market fit also for your sales. So most of the times the stories that we hear is you can buy lead you can buy meetings the problem is they don't convert the companies that you hire they're very good at what they do most of the time they can get you that meeting. the problem is it doesn't convert so this is um we have a let's say our own spin-off on on this and how we because we also will be doing this soon enough uh how we help companies outsource their bond and also make it successful mm-hmm.
0: okay Um, And let's talk a bit about um, expectations. So what are some realistic expectations when it comes to outbound sales in terms of results you can achieve, but also timing, because I think timing is a big factor as well.
1: Uh, Well, it's very nice that you mentioned actually timing, because uh, actually the need in the market and the timing you cannot fabricate. You can have mm-hmm. a lot of budgets, you can have small budget, <laughs> budgets or, let's say, external resources, or you can have, uh, let's say, external salespeople working on the territories. But there are two things that you you will never manage to fabricate, the timing and the need in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, conversion rates haven't changed that much, Elena. Um, although people think that uh, they tanked, reality is that they were never that high um <laughs> i i was working in 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 the same area before the pandemic after the pandemic i i was caught up in the pandemic in a huge SaaS company so we we were doing and there, there was a lot of quantity over quality and vice versa always uh, because um there is a market always. there is a need. there is a timing. Um, you need to be in those contexts to actually reach the momentum. And it's very it's very easy to, let's say, um, reach those things when you have uh, a clear mission. And um I know that probably people will say, well, it's not easy. Well, it's easier than usual. When you have a clear mission and a goal aligned with your processes and a method proved, you need just to fuel the engine and give it some time till you are jumping to the next iteration and you're pivoting again, Uh, because I think that uh, what we lack most lately is being patient. Mm-hmm. Um, we're expecting that the, the the results to to happen yesterday because we we have a lot of technology. We 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 have in a way shortcut the 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 process. But uh, the reality is that um, you can find some bottlenecks in the in, in the sales cycle. You can hijack them a little bit, but you you cannot fabricate the sales cycle. It, it's determined um, about everything that we we said uh, earlier the timing the need the prospect the the buying mood etc the solution etc so the complexity, so, of
0: the complexity
1: exactly exactly uh, there is a market with a lot of solutions there there, there is um there is a growing let's say um a fever of startups scale-ups um, in in all the in all the countries and regions and um, there is still the human being in the loop who is buying that who is looking to that um, I would say that um, to be to have some realistic expectations um, that between two let's say three to six months is a minimum to be able to to gather enough data and start seeing Mm -hmm. pipeline move through the funnel Uh, because otherwise you will just uh, test and iterate and pivot and um, there is a lot of noise Uh, I've heard that the other companies are doing that at the end of Mm -hmm. the day if you don't have a clear mission and a goal aligned with everything that's happening in the market, uh, the execution will beat you. Mm-hmm.
0: So give it at least three to six months before you, exactly. it, before you test something else. Um, mm-hmm. you need to
1: have relevant feedback from the market and to have relevant feedback is actually gathering data. So you cannot gather data in one week, two weeks, one month. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I guess there's, there are so many tactics and tools that the temptation to try something else when you're stuck is is very high. Um, okay. And, and speaking of data, what are the KPIs that you typically look
2: at? So there's, a would say there's two things you need to look at. What happens before the lead is qualified. So that is top of the funnel. What happens after the lead gets qualified? Uh, so usually in the sequencing tools that we use, and those can either be what if Usually we use Overloop or Apollo.io. I've, I've tested quite a lot of them. I <laughs> have a lot of free trials, let's just say. And uh, in, in my opinion, they mainly do the same things. It's a, you know, it's a question of preference. Most of the times Uh you're looking at a click, uh, rates, reply rates, open rates, uh, obviously also on A-B testing and you want to A-B test on very specific variable. So your you're basically A-B testing branches should not be very different because otherwise you're not really testing anything. You're kind of sending to, to very different things. So you also want to look at that. Uh, keep in mind that we don't recommend using large batches of prospects of data, especially in the beginning. You're looking at having a small sending limit, like around 50 touches a day. And usually we work with, uh, you know, 50 prospects, uh, at once at a batch. So that's kind of what we are looking mm-hmm. at. Mm-hmm. At the same time, once you get a reply, you want, you want to look basically the conversion rate from that point because it's important to see when the meeting actually gets booked, how quickly it actually bo- gets booked. That's why we recommend Chili Piper Candy and all those tools that help, help you. Uh, basically, you know, move the prospect as quickly as possible and not lose his interest. And uh, basically, what is detrimental also and what, what we recommend, because in my opinion, that's very much in your control, is what happens with those leads that you get in the meeting. What happens to them? Make sure you qualify them as good as possible. This is also one of the topics that we go over having a very well established discovery, uh, you know, pr- process, having a very well dis- established sales process and you know, know exactly w- how to qualify those, uh, those leads, because that really is in your control. You want to, you want to go into that meeting, you know, from a buying perspective, from a selling perspective, let's just say, and, and positioning yourself as that. So I see a lot of people, especially more experienced people be very hesitant to sell, Selling isn't unnatural at all. Just make sure you're relevant. So don't try to force anything on anyone. Be be human. That's that's in my opinion very important. And uh, at the same time, to make sure you don't lose leads through these cracks, what we recommend, especially at the beginning when you don't have a lot of leads, one of the first uh, deal stages that we we actually implement in HubSpot is actually leads. So basically, if someone confirmed the meeting, I want to have it in HubSpot i want to know what happens to it and make sure it it moves to to either disqualified or qualified so so that it doesn't stand in a in a limbo and i want to have it in the crm just so i'm tracking everything i can and not losing any any potential business mhm mm-hmm. that's a very good point about
0: you no know, leads falling through the cracks just have the hanging there they might express
2: interest but they you just um
0: lose them well, it's a
2: the follow-up game, sorry Elena, the follow-up game is in my opinion very hard to do because mm-hmm. you have to follow up with that uh that prospect until so if he said yes and you didn't get him into a meeting, just make sure you follow up because there was some interest. And when you whenever you follow up, you have to actually offer some value. So not just uh mm-hmm. hey, I'm just uh you know bouncing up into your the top of your inbox this email. Just remind him of the value proposition that you started with. So uh, the follow-up game is very important and not usually easy. So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's a very good point about uh, um, bringing back the value proposition. So it's not just, I'm cluttering your inbox and I'm just here to know you. You said yes initially because you, there, there
2: was something uh, there. For yeah. You because too. think about it. Who's going to scroll four emails down to see what he actually said initially. That's why I think it's important to remind him of why he, why he said yes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's very good. Um, And in terms of tools, um, I'm very curious to learn what are some of the uh, categories of tools and maybe even names of tools that you're using and that are helping you automate your work when it makes sense, of course, to to automate it.
2: Mm -hmm. So, um, as I said, uh, Apollo IO or Overloop, I like these are the ones I like. I've tried multiple, but we always keep in, in, you know, in consideration the budget. Apollo has very good leads and emails and I I like that a lot. So that's usually what we use for sequencing. Calendly, Chili Piper, either of the two are very good when it comes to, you know, scheduling meetings and so on. DocuSign, we we insist on implementing that for contracts and contract signing and, you know, NDE signing and and basically shortcutting the process as much as possible. And obviously HubSpot. So that's it. it. The, I, in my opinion, the tech stack doesn't have to be very complicated. We're looking to also implement some RPA so we can, you know, shortcut the, the, the manual work process even more. But, uh, what I, what is really important for me, when I'm helping my customers and when I'm implementing that, and for you also, if anyone decides to, to do this, is to keep it simple. So kiss, keep it stupid simple. Just so you actually use those tools. Because we do see uh, also some more technical founders. They, they, they love, I love tools also. I always sign up for a free trial. But the reality of things is don't don't clutter yourself with too many tools so that you don't you don't you don't end up using them. So that's what we use.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So process over tools, I guess, <laughs> at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And for me as a marketer, I'm very interested, uh, interested to know how can marketing best support sales? There's always a conversation of who does what, who writes the sales sequence, of course. Um, and I'm just wondering... How can a marketer, whether you know it's a solo marketer or a marketing team, best support sales so that they reach um, the revenue goals?
1: Mm-hmm. Aligning, first of all, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's very important to understand that we all have a common goal: uh, the revenue. Um, the reality is that it's always a tango between the Two functions, uh, where each helps the other. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think the the two departments functions, how do you wanna call it? At the end of the day, they are splitted or they are they're doing their work in a singularity. Uh, there were many situations where um, we had to come up with a very high level, let's say, um, marketing. Plan or marketing requirements because um, there was no marketing hire, or just to align uh, everything that we were doing from an outbound perspective uh, so that we can actually bring the best results. The list. uh, let's say starts with the um, with the the main topic for us when when we are building this outbound approach. Uh, and the main topic is always a conversion driven website. Mm-hmm. Um, if we are just uh, looking to that, uh, and if we are adding just a blog, some case studies, some relevant events, uh, which at the end of the day will will contemplate and will add the the right flavor to the outbound engine and to the outbound approach, we will be able to build that that revenue stream. I think it's very important to um, stay aligned, to work together, uh, to dance in this tango, uh, because um, there is a lot of work on both sides. There is a lot of experience uh, there are a lot of methods, uh, flavors, which you can add on top. But at the end of the day, um, being a team all together in driving the, the, the mission and the vision and the revenue goal of the company towards the market, um, it's, it can be actually uh, driven in just only one vehicle, not in splitted ways of, of doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. and I, I guess aligning means aligning on who's the the ideal customer that we sell to the markets the verticals you're mentioning. Um, exactly. Present the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a very having good point
1: the there. having all the right activities aligned with that. Uh, so that you don't have uh, splitted directions, let's say. The marketing going on one side in one direction, uh, the sales going uh, on on a different side, uh, and the product (laughs) elsewhere, let's say. Uh, So I think it's very important to to stay aligned and to drive that vehicle towards the market together. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And in terms of a uh, marketing function, you mentioned you uh, when there's uh, no marketing hire or maybe, you know, the team is is very mm-hmm. small, you mentioned you would look at having a conversion-driven website. Is there um, anything else you need in place in order to be successful with the outbound sales?
1: Well, I think the, the, the conversion-driven website is the most important. And we are starting with this recommendation in all the setups that uh, we are working, because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, uh, your prospects, your future customers, will look at your solution, and your solution is available on your website, and that website has to be, at the end of the day, a functional, uh, let's say, a functional vehicle, uh, which will pass the right, simple, clean message. Nothing complicated. Just, you know, you have to to have this right setup. Yeah, uh, in which you are just conveying the the clean and the clear message around what you are, what you are offering. Um, maybe a case study over there, a blog. Um, it's enough to be relevant uh, towards the market and towards your your prospect, your future um, your, your future customer. Uh
0: mm-hmm. huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. that makes total sense. Uh, Liana and Gabriela, thank you so much for sharing all your insights. Um, Just wondering where people can find you, what's the best way to reach you? Is it over
2: LinkedIn? Is it another channel? So uh, we have two things, LinkedIn, obviously we're pretty present there and you'll find us always on LinkedIn and also our website. So it's a with an e dot com. So that's, uh, that's kind of the best way to reach us. And we'd love to talk to anyone who's looking to supercharge their outbound activities, let's see.
0: Thank you, Liana. And we'll, I'll make sure to also uh, link, uh, add the links in the episode description. So thank you so much for being here with me today and sharing your ideas. It was lovely. Thank you very much, Elena, for the invitation. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Elena. Have a lovely day. Thank you.